Think Fit, Be Fit, effective thinking for potent workouts. Think Fit, Be Fit is dedicated to creating a new conversation about your exercise. Our podcast helps to uncover how the fitness industry has misled us. And it will show you that if you believe in your ability to improve your body through exercise, you don't need to rely on diluted or shallow information. From there, you can then educate yourself about the thing you are trying to change, your body. Then by engaging in a process of self-mastery, you will discover the secrets of exercise. My name is Jen Schwartz. I'm the founder of Think Fit Be Fit podcast. As a full-time muscle activation technique specialist, strength and conditioning coach, and detail-oriented personal trainer, I developed this podcast to help ensure that your time in the gym is well spent and that you have the power of enhancing your exercise with effective thinking. This podcast is an educational resource designed for those who have overcome injury and want to stay healthy in the gym. I have seen miraculous changes in my clients, pain, discomfort, and their training progress by working on the health of their neuromuscular system. This podcast uncovers the tools that I have used repeatedly to help my clients consistently exercise without pain. If you are a person who has an injury, is unsatisfied with rehab, or has consistent struggles with staying on track with your training programs, you'll want to subscribe. And also if you're a trainer, a teacher, or a student that is looking to understand exercise science and apply it to a training thought process, you'll definitely want to subscribe. Please go to the iTunes store to subscribe and let other people know you are learning from this podcast with a review. You can find out more about my daily practices and tips on Instagram and Facebook at impact underscore your underscore fitness and sign up for the newsletter at impactyourfitness.net slash podcast. If you don't like something on the podcast, please reach out to me and let me know how I can improve it at Jen at impactyourfitness.net. Hello, podcast land and think fit, be fit, fitters and thinkers. I'm coming to you from Alexandria, Virginia today. I keep saying this thing and it is ask better questions. So I'm going to take this episode and tell you how to ask better questions and why you need to think a little bit deeper about your process and that it goes beyond understanding a certain technique or having a list of exercises and when to add weight to them. That is a pretty common theme of exercise conversations is when do I add more weight? How do I know that I'm progressing? And all this stuff just comes back to philosophy and asking good questions. It's one of my favorite topics uh, in general is how people think and the philosophy of it. I'm very in tune to helping people with that pro uh, process and how they view their progress. So what do I mean by asking better questions? We're going to uh, discuss this in a lab of you context. So meaning this is not so much my anecdotal experience, but things that I want my 
clients and listeners to embrace. Because the, the truth about asking better questions about your body is that you're going to own your own process. You're going to own your own process of building a future for yourself, for your healthy body that is not where you want it to be or you want to keep things as they are and progressing. Either way, this is something that no matter what fitness level, income level, injury level that you have and you're currently struggling with or that you're working with, asking better questions will create change in your process no matter where you're coming from. So like I said, it goes beyond understanding a certain technique. And it's more about philosophy. It's more about the complexity of these systems that we're working with. When it comes to the complexity of your health and nurturing it as an asset, we have to think bigger than just making fitness as accessible as fast food. Consequently, not caring for your exercise and muscle system is detrimental to living as pain-free as possible. That is my hypothesis for uh one of my hypotheses for this podcast in general, um, my experience as a muscle activation technique specialist and detailed oriented personal trainer includes over 5,000 hours of experience in helping resolve chronic injuries, tightness, and muscle weakness. A large majority of these hours have been with people that found, that found traditional methods of musculoskeletal modalities or medicine physical therapy, orthopedic shots, surgeries, chiropractic work, they didn't resolve their issues. Along with athletes who have been cleared to play but not have not fully recovered from their injury, both of these clients, both types of clients, desire to permanently leave the cycle of injury and inflammation that keep them from exercising or competing as they please. So what that means, um, a lot of people come to me in this stage where they're choosing between orthopedic intervention like surgery, shots, um, maybe stem cell. Um, they're choosing between that, stopping their activity or limiting themselves in some way, and or they see the option as exercise as medicine. They don't feel like it's too late. So I, I that's where I... That's where I make my living in that space of helping people navigate through that. And then there's the other side of that is when they feel that they can get past that stage and when they believe in themselves that their body does have the ability to heal, that's the point where this exercise piece comes into play. And how they look at it long-term has to change because what they were doing before wasn't working. So this all comes back to that phrase that I've used continuously. I've had, you know, 18 podcasts or so at this point. And asking better questions and being curious and creative with your, um, and experimenting with your fitness is the foundation of making it through that phase. This, this concept is important because the human body is full of wonderful me mechanisms. It's a complicated group of systems. 
when dealing with multiple systems, it's very unlikely that there is a black and white answer. So uh, I'll stay right on this list and then come back to some examples of that. Taking this advice of asking better questions will save you money on achieving the, the, your best body. There's so, there are so many people that will take your money for just, you know, being a talking head and counting reps and exercise. Uh, asking better questions is also for the plain and simple reason that we as humans do not realize how our own thinking patterns and blind spots can create problems for us. And this is the part where I am quite obsessed with and how people think and seeing these roadblocks that we put up with ourselves because I, you know, I've seen miraculous change in a person's neuromuscular system in a very short period of time. And when they allow that change to happen, it can happen. But if you decide that you've already tried physical therapy and a tried stretching, so your hip is not going to open up and allow you to run as you please, you've already decided that. So these are really important patterns that we have to recognize. So that the, t the tangible takeaway for this podcast episode is I'm going to define what self-mastery is and what, what questions come into play for that. I'm also going to give you a five-point uh, checklist, not a checklist, a five-point strategy for putting this into your fitness uh, it's not a overnight success formula by any means. It is careful decision-making and listening and thinking. But these are the five points of, you know, how you come at that from a strategic point of view. So to take advantage of that, this list that I'm going to reveal in a few minutes, you have to buy into a certain a couple ideas. And one of them is self-mastery. The other one is that there needs to be a shift from assuming your own experience is the same as someone else's and that there's a trap of knowing stuff or having a bias. And that needs to shift to self-mastery. So an example of that would be, hmm, I, there's a lot of trainers out there in the, the marketplace that do something called a show and tell mentality. And they have this idea that, and they, and they practice this idea that they can just learn something and a list of exercises, a, or like they would pick up a magazine and see that list of exercises and say, okay, I can apply that to this client. Or they have an online fitness journal and they get a list of exercises and they say, okay, I can apply that to myself. And they don't bother to do their homework as to why that exercise might be effective at that point in time. They don't do their science, they don't put on a scientific thinking hat as far as, 
why it would work, like what a real scientific-based approach to training, that trainer can always ask that question, what are the downfalls of this exercise? And if a trainer can't do that, they are living in this assumption of their own experiences being the same as everyone else's. And it's bullshit. I, I watch it often as a person on the outside and trying to help a lot of people that use personal training as a tool when their trainers are practicing. It's like they they have a malpractice practice. They're just taking a list of exercises and assuming that their experience is going to be the same as yours. Or they take a weekend class and because it felt good and it looked good on them that they can just give it to someone else and it's going to help them. And I'm sorry, but I'll say it again. It's bullshit. It's, it's a really cheap way of training. And if your trainer cannot answer those questions as to is this what are the downfalls of this training program or this exercise, then you're overpaying for your your exercise. But if you want cheap exercise, that's fine. Just know what you're paying for and that you could be wasting your money. Um, <laughs> I'll go back to <laughs> what that what that is, which is just a good example of where we usually are, which is assuming that your experiences are the same as everyone else's to self-mastery. And self-mastery, in my, my definition, it's a series of practices that unfold new ways to learn and new ways to see. That is my lens, which is very focused, which is very rooted in education and philosophy. Other people, um, like Tony Robbins has a, an acronym called CANI, Constant and Never-Ending Improvement. So there's one fault in that, in my opinion, is that if you're just focused on improvement, you're not going, you know, you're, you might end up falling for a lot of fads and um, not questioning things. So I look at this as a self-mastery is always about learning, but I do like the canny acronym because it is a, a way to look at this in a very uh, open-ended and curious way. The other element of self-aware, a self-mastery is becoming aware. It's a Buddhist psychology principle, the three components of mastery of the mind, and it's the three R's, and right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. I love that. I, I don't practice uh, hardcore, like the path of Buddhism and, you know, being um, totally aware of my karma and all that, but I do see some applicable points for fitness in there because it mostly pertains to the efforts and the consistency of staying on a spiritual path. And I think that the three R concept could also be pertain to the efforts and consistency of staying on a fitness path. And either way, the that uh, principle is also a way to veer 
and go further away from the habits that don't serve your purpose. So if you have the three R's in mind while you're designing your questions and your goals, um, it, it could really serve a lot into a fitness mastery mindset. So how does it apply to fitness? How, do, how does self-mastery apply to fitness? The most obvious is goal setting. And this is where what I said at the beginning, which is that this could change your life no matter what income or fitness level that you are at. If you can ask better questions at the start of your fitness journey, you're going to be better off. So an example of a bad question uh, to ask of yourself and your fitness process is, what's the best exercise for a person that sits at a desk all the time? What is a good exercise program for good posture? I would qualify those as crappy questions. <laughs> um, the shift to a good question for each one of those is how do I measure strength progress to create my best exercise program? That would be a better way to look at it. And then the second question, uh, what is the best exercise program for improving posture. Well, that unfortunately is a trap <laughs> because most of us do not know what posture actually is and that it's a little, it's, it's a out of our conscious control most of the time. So it's, it just comes down to improving the tone and the quality of your muscles and making them more efficient at holding you upright and not um, something you can just like cue yourself to do. Like y you have a million other things to do while you're at work. Uh, improving your posture is not one that's in your control. You have to treat the sitting at your desk as a stressor rather than... <laughs> It, it, rather than, you know, making an exercise program just to negate that. You just have to treat it as, okay, I have to have a strategy to battle this stress. Um, I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't, like ping me because I think the it would be worth my time and your time to really separate um, those two questions. So, it also applies to fitness. So goal setting is a big one. Um, and we'll come back to that with some more anecdotal stuff. Uh, the, the second thing is the trap of knowing stuff. So you've tried that before. Not knowing the difference between what you think and what is real. And even in brain scans, like <laughs> there's no difference to your brain, whether it's an opinion or whether it's a fact. And they've asked people to state facts and state opinions. And it, it, on the brain scans of functional MRI, it looks the same. So to your brain, they are the same thing. So when you, so for example, when somebody comes to my office um, and they have a hip problem and their hip problem is that they have an impingement, it is structural and they're trying to figure out how long they can go without surgery or if um, they can do without surgery overall. And 
the trap of knowing stuff is that you keep going into a healing process or a physical therapy process or an exercise process with the idea that you already know like what that one leg squat is supposed to look like. And that by itself is just going to not create the neural connections that you need to actually change that movement and change the muscle participation around that movement. You've already decided that that wasn't a good thing for you, but you're gonna do it anyways because they're just saying you have to do 16 of these a day. And um, unless, so unless you take the time to dig through that, like why is the single leg squat such an important piece of hip rehabilitation? Why are clamshells so important to hip re rehabilitation? And again, it comes back to asking that question, what are the downfalls of this? What could possibly go wrong and what cannot be measured? So identifying the things that are in your control and out of your control is key, but you have to get out of the trap of knowing stuff. I just air quoted to my microphone. <laughs> um, so, and again, it's, you know, it's, if your brain doesn't know the difference, um, neither do your muscles. So you have to get into this mindset of being open and which is really hard when you've been battling an injury and discomfort for eight months. It's really hard to get out of this. So that's where I would recommend a client go to hypnotherapy or Reiki. Um, those are tools that I've used regularly for the past, since 2012 or so, maybe more. Um, and it's, it's a way of getting out of your own way and getting your brain waves to also get to the right level. Okay, I just said too much. Whatever. We're going to keep that on the show, though, because I'm a little hippie, y'all. So I, I, I walk that line but I do like my Reiki and my hypnotherapy. Anyways, so the third thing that applies, that how this applies to fitness is removing the gunk of the shallow fitness and Western medicine that is in the way of curiosity. So I just basically repeated trap of knowing stuff in a different way. <laughs> the shallow fitness industry, you can go on Huffington Post any day of the week and look up the five best exercises for this and the six best exercises for that. And guess what? That's shallow and cheap and you deserve better. So that's why I'm here to help you invest your time wisely and your money. Western medicine is definitely in the way of the curiosity. They are only, they're, they're very well trained in looking for the nail looking for that one thing in this complicated system. And guess what? There's always more after that. If you get one disc replaced, guess what you're gonna do in two years? It's very likely you'll get the second one and the third one after that. So Western medicine loves to put people into this corner that curiosity will not survive in. Um, an example, I have a great example. I took a class in October that was called Neurologic Training. And this wonderful teacher that I've run into multiple times in my career, 
is his name is Jacques Jacques uh, Taylor Newell, and he has been studying neuroscience and working with neuroscience um, for you know fifteen years, maybe maybe more. And in the last four or five years, I believe he has been sur- focused on surface EMG readings and exploring that within the exercise world. So surface EMGs are used frequently in the rehab world. Um, And we were using them in class to substantiate the mind-body connection theory. So for example, most people just say they know what the mind-body connection is. I would wager that they have no way of substantiating that uh, or even a way to explore that. Like their education about neuroscience is so poor that most people that talk about that on social media, it's total junk. (laughs) They have, I would love to sit down and talk to people about the neurochemical reactions that happen because of exercise. They don't know. Um, So we took that theory and we put it to practice. We spent a day reviewing basically a a year's worth of neuroscience undergrad, which I know is not efficient for the purpose of being an educated elitist exercise person. But um, it is, you know, we it is unbelievable the amount of cool stuff that happens on the neuroscience like micro level when we exercise. I'm completely obsessed. I love it. And we substantiated the mind-body connection by using surface EMGs and using different cueing and actually saw changes in the motor unit electrical activity. So again, that's way different than just saying you know something and actually substantiating it and putting in the pra- putting it into practice. You should know that I know how I'd like I my business thrives on implementing this kind of information. This is the difference. And so that that's that's one example of how that would apply uh, definitely on the education level. And one of the things I want you all to walk away with is, you know, how to be a better fitness consumer and not waste your money when you have a trainer that's exploring these options and exploring the science and exploring the scientific method, that is a truly wonderful um, ability. And like that person, you know, is worth their value. The people that don't even want to spend time doing that, I have a very um, hard time discussing exercise uh, with them. Instead, I try to sell them basically on these classes that I take in exposing people to this type of information and obviously using the podcast to tell people that this kind of stuff is out there and you can make your own fitness better by embracing it. Um, The other way that that I use uh, detailed better questioning is a piece of equipment called the Dorsavi. I've mentioned it before. It's wearable technology. And a good example of the knowledge and the questions being crappy is that 
so I have this technology that I can measure running a, a symmetry, ground force reactions, cadence, stride length, all kinds of stuff. And it, it the data, it, it, it can take up to two hours of running data. It's amazing. So people that use it in the running store at the shoe store, all they're doing is using it to buy shoes. And with the focus that if you change your shoe, you're going to change your gait, which is true, but nobody is talking about the muscle component of that. And that is ridiculous to me because muscles control movement, muscles control your bones, muscles keep your whole skeleton together while you're moving at high speeds. Why are people focused on the shoes? Is it because they don't know any better? No, people know anatomy. They just don't know how to ask better questions. Ugh, get level up. <laughs> so how to actually do this? Here's the five uh, point strategy. Understanding that there is gunk, bias, and knowing stuff, that you need to get it out of the way. That being wrong is a good thing. That's it. Do you, do you even ask questions? Do you ask the same questions every time you take on a new endeavor, a new goal? Um, if that's the case, you just need to get out of your own way and be reflective and mindful. So the first answer is mindfulness, really, and getting out of your own way. The second, listen to cues. Listening well is a meta habit that can really help you make body improvements all the way around. It helps your curiosity. It helps you formulate better questions period. So being better at improving your listening skills. <laughs> Number three, find quality things to measure, uh, whether that be with your chiropractor, whether that be with a muscle activation technique specialist, a really detailed trainer, um, even, you know, uh, blood work, uh, micronutrient blood testing, things like that, where you can get detailed measurements and not really and, and, and use that as a way to ask better questions and a way to ask um, and get better goals for your fitness. For example, um, I have a woman coming to me um, and we're dealing with this pain that she gets after exercise. It's not during exercise. She can do whatever she wants, although her form is questionable in some things. Um, she uh, has a very... Um, what is it? Okay. So she has issues at night and after exercise. Therefore, we said, let's get the micronutrient testing. Let's get you into acupuncture, help your nervous system just do better overall and have a really good baseline for recovering and sleeping. And the micronutrient test was so fascinating because she had deficient levels of supplements that she was taking. So what that led, that got her down a road of leaky gut and that got her back to, oh crap. Uh, the, oh crap was, I'm running, I'm running behind. I'm almost done. Um, that got her to the point of thinking that the leaky gut was connected to taking too much Advil or Motrin. And she's, now on her way to being totally pain-free because of those good questions. But, you know, it took some money, it took some resources, it took some time, and but we got through it in a couple months. Um, so that's three, finding quality things to measure. Number four, recognizing the complexity of the situation. So that means a baseline, like a 
like a first step question. Is there predictability in this situation? Are there factors out of my control? Like if you're at the ATM and it doesn't give you money, like there's obviously something wrong. Is it in your control? Is it not? Like, and then if it is predictable, like you got the wrong pin, or if it's unpredictable, like it's the software or something else, um, either way, like having that, okay, it, that that front question, frontline question of, what are the factors I can control? What are the factors that are out of my control? So recognizing the complexity of the situation. Number five, this is where I come in, daily practice and checking your range of motion. So uh, at some point in the near future, I will be releasing a, a type of daily practice of movement. It'll be a subscription-based service, but it'll, it will be a way to learn how your body's moving, learn how to control the movement, learn how, what you can do and what you can't do and what you can change and what you cannot change. So I just, I'm, I want to give that to you because that, those are, those are how you develop the good questions when you know what is in your control and when you know what's not in your control. And when it comes to fitness, like I said, it's, this is the complex it's a complex, complex problem. Your health and nurturing it as an asset. Have to think bigger than um, fast, quick solutions and think in systems and giving yourself the what, what you're worth. Like this is about your future body and that we live in a time where we can design how well we want to live. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and comment, like, dislike. Just give me some feedback on Facebook and Instagram at impact underscore your underscore fitness.